0: As a group of children of God, heirs of the kingdom, kings and queens, can we agree together for those that have gone now to a place where they go, i got to have help. And you know who you are this morning. And as we pray for you right now, I want you to appropriate these promises by faith. You might not see them when we're done. You might not even be able to feel them when we're done. But it's going to be up to you to say, God, we believe where two or three are gathered in your name. God, I can ask anything in your name. How many people are believers here this morning? You're the ones I'm talking to. Let's go to prayer right now. If you have a need in your life, can you just raise your hand? Let, let, let God see. He already knows, knows, but are you willing to have faith for it right now? Just lift your hand. Don't, don't be scared. Come on, get it up. John Miller's hand right here. Up, up. Now let's appropriate by faith. God, I receive what you've already done for me on the cross. God, I believe that all your promises are yes. God, you didn't say those to to trick us into believing and say, that's not for you. God, you said, this is for me and my friends, God, are believers, your children. And God, today we appropriate those by faith and say, they're mine. Church, will you say that? They are mine. Say it again. They are mine. The promises of God, they are mine. Father, we might not be able to see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, but God, we know that faith is being sure, confident that God, that You have the answer for us. And Father, sometimes we know, God, we have to be reminded that when things are falling apart, God, they might be falling right in place. God, we thank You for the ability to come boldly before Your throne today and all those that are in agreement said, Amen. Amen. This morning, as I'm pretty fired up and kind of excited about this message because we're starting a new series. And it is entitled, as you see it, You've Got to Nourish to Flourish. Now, the definition of nourish as most of us would already go to in your mind, is that you provide, you're provided with food or a other substance necessary for growth, health, and good condition. But there's another definition that goes like this Nourish means to keep a feeling or a belief in one's mind typically for a long time. It is imperative that the believer is nourished by the Word of God. And, and the Word of God, as I've said before, you kind of like kind of like just marinate, huh? I know it's meditate, but you got to marinate. You have to soak in the Word of God. You have to read the Word of God and let it become part of you. Until the day comes where it is your DNA. It is how you think. It's how you talk. You know that the promises of God are for you. And that you're walking those promises out. Now, when we hear that in Ephesians 2.10, there's something that either person, a person that is a believer will receive it, or they'll say, you know, I I, I don't know about that. You ready to read it? Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. How many people have ever saw themselves as a masterpiece? God says, you are a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. This is one of Gwen and I's most favorite verses that we have to continually, here we go, marinate in. We've got to continually tell ourselves in a world of storms, in a world of all the obstacles that we go through, that we are God's masterpiece, and God has designed us anew in what Jesus Christ did for us. To do the good works that he has planned for us. Before even baby John opened his eyes in this world. He had planned for us to do the good things that he has created us to Now, this morning, you know, as, as I was preparing this, and then again, not this morning, but I was preaching it this morning before anybody gets here like I usually do. I began to think of that question that a lot of people would say. Well, pastor, what are the good things that he's prepared us to do? Now, we know that there are individual things that God has given us. And we've talked about that before in different sermons. And and I believe that all of us know that we are created with a purpose. But this morning, I want to talk to you through this series in the next few weeks. And, and, you know, as, as God leads me, I'm hoping that you get to a place where you realize that when I talk about you've got to nourish to flourish, it's not a selfish thing. There's something about being nourished that seems to be common sense. A mother will look at their child and they will take care of that child, which seems like the right thing to do. And everybody knows it is the right thing to do. To feed them the right food and, and take care of them. But there's something about the mother will not even take care of herself some of the time because she is taking care of the child. Now, this morning, I want us to get to a place where we realize that if there's a deficit in us as individuals, it's going to be seen throughout our life. It's going to be seen in the circle of friends that we run with, And, and, and that circle of friends includes our children, our husband, our wives. And this morning, I want us to look at this. Because in Jeremiah chapter 18, and you don't have to turn there, but I want you to see that in Jeremiah chapter 18, the prophet heard from God and he goes down to the place where the potter is making pottery and, and he's spinning, as you, you, you've seen before, into vessels, into pots. And it says in that passage that the, the potter has a, a, a vessel in his hand that he's making that is marred. It, it's really of no value if it's marred. But he says in that passage that he saw the potter and he began to create a vessel of honor. In other words, he reformed it and God said to the prophet, that's what I can do for Israel. Right there. Even though Israel is marred and so many things are going on in their life, I, just like a potter in my hands, I can recreate a new vessel. You know as well as me, a skillful craftsman can take a vessel of no value and make it of great value. What, What an encouragement to us to have a father that is able and willing to do that. Years ago, I read a book and it has kind of a funny name that is easy to remember and that's why it's so kind of cool. It's called Purple Cow. That's right purple cow and the author is writing how to stand out in a common world in in business and different things and he talked about an illustration of him and his family going on a vacation and and kind of related to me as i thought about this sermon because i i've been in the same situation where we're going down the road and 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 the the family in the book they looked out in the their city dwellers and and they saw some cows out in the pasture eating And they, oh, look at the cows, look at the cows. I always love it when when people, you know, make a big deal out of a cow, you know, because I I own some cows. So they're kind of common to me. It's funny because I I know the people from Brazil, they laugh at each other because once they first come here for the first time, they love squirrels because they don't have squirrels as much. Is that right in Brazil? So look at that squirrel. I wish I could give some of my squirrels to Brazil, you know. So this family's looking at these cows and they're going, look at the beautiful cows. And mile after mile after mile after after farm after farm, look at the cows, (laughs) look at the the, the cows. They became ordinary. They became something that was very common. And the author in the book said, now wouldn't it be wild if we drove by and there was one purple cow out in the pasture, whoa, now that's a cow. It would demand attention. They would have to pull over and probably take some pictures, some selfies, you know. As I said, I raised some cows. And, and, and I, I one time, Mark and I, uh, you know, we're the cowboys. And, and we went out to a ranch and they had some cows for sale. and And we saw one that we were like, are you kidding me? She was a little, we not only raised longhorns, but miniature longhorns. No comments about the statue of the pastor at this point. But anyway, we like little things. <laughs> and, and so the, the, this miniature little cow and she comes out and she's kind of, you know, just looking at us like, what's up? And, and the cow is, is a white cow, but it has undertones of purple. Yeah, wow, wow. Sheila, we're going on the road together because you would hit it right on the head. It had a wow factor. This cow was purple. And, it, and I said, how much for that one right there? And the owner said, not for sale. I said, come on, come on, come on. I'll be, I'm willing to pay more than I've ever paid for a cow for that. Not for sale. Not for sale. He could have had that. Not for sale. And I said, What's up? My wife would choke me if I sold that cow. She loved that cow. You don't see a purple cow every day. And I said, No, you don't. If you ever want to sell that cow. Now, my point is this there's something about a wow factor that people, it demands attention. I believe as believers, we're in a spot where we know that being in a dark world, that God has called us to be the light. But sometimes we get in a place where we want to blend in with all the other brown cows and not stand out. There's something about being extraordinary that that kind of puts a spotlight on us and we kind of say, you know what, I, I think that it would be just easier if I could just kind of be the chameleon and change colors and nobody would even know I'm here. That's just kind of who I am. I'm kind of behind the scenes. Can I tell you as a believer, you don't have a choice. When the God of the universe is your father and he has created you to do great works that lives within inside of you. I'm not saying that you don't make a mistake. Let me tell you, I'm not saying that John Miller's never made a mistake. But we are created to do the good works that God has created us to do. If you're not nourished inside of you, you're not going to flourish. Therefore, the people that are around you that are desperately needing you aren't going to see you as a source of victory in their life. See, our church, the chapel, our desire and our mission, our, our goal, what we do every time the doors are open is to create an atmosphere of a growing loving relationship with God and with each other. Now you might say, well, Pastor, what's, what's this an atmosphere? And, and because th- there's a point, there's a stepping off point where the church can't make you have a growing loving relationship with God and your neighbor. That's going to be up to you. But we can create an atmosphere. We can, we can create a process that you come in and you realize there's people at the door greeting you. Those people didn't just accidentally step into the hall. But they're there on purpose. To again, how many people go into a place of business and feel like they're greeted? I don't know if you've noticed this, but let me just bring it to your attention. Walmart took the, that from a church, the, the whole church in itself. Have you walked into Walmart and seen the, the person greeting, Welcome to Walmart! And have you ever walked in going, Me? You're... <laughs> I haven't been welcomed since last Sunday at the chapel. See, they, they're picking up on something in the business world that says it's working, so we're going to bring it into the marketplace. I went in to get a haircut at Sports Clips, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm thinking, man, there's a lot of people here. I take about two steps in, and all the stylists that are talking, and they think, welcome to Sports Clips. Anybody ever been there and said that before, and you're like, I'm sorry. Did I do something? No, we're glad you're here. They're taking that from the church they realize that people have a a missing piece in their life, and that is to be loved. And and that's, again, on purpose of creating an atmosphere of a growing loving relationship with God and each other. When when you walk in and you come in and and the music starts to play, as I've said many times before, this is on purpose. This is not a jam session during worship. I love Daniel and the bass and everything that's going on and everybody's singing. I love it, but it's more than that. It's more than a Canton or a, a, not a Canton, but a a Branson kind of performance, you know. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. It's more than that. Everybody, this side, row, 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 your boat, row, row. It's more than that. When you come into the house of God and and the worship team begins to what? Not, Not, hey, if you... You got anything else? No, no. They're leading us into worship, into the throne room of God. There's a process. The Old Testament was very specific in the process. You came in to the outer courts, and there was even a ceremonial washing and, and getting right, and then you'd come into the uh inner courts and the holies and then the holies of holies and, and see sometimes we wonder what well, we come in and we want to do a flip over all that into the holy of holies and we wonder well, why am I not? But let me tell you when you understand that we are on purpose creating an atmosphere of a growing loving relationship with God and our neighbor what you're doing is you're nourishing yourself you're coming to house of God for a purpose. You're walking in, and all of a sudden you begin to say, wow. Wow. You might have been. You might have sinned this week. And you know it. And you might have asked forgiveness the moment you did it. But there's something about. Coming to the house of the Lord and, and being in agreement with other believers and saying, God, I'm so thankful and I'm celebrating today your forgiveness in my life. There's a process. You first of all have to come to church and then you have to participate in, in the worship. And, and like we're doing right now, we're, we're hearing the word of God. Why? for a growing loving relationship with God and each other and our neighbor now, this morning the word of god says the first and the second greatest commandments is loving god and loving your neighbor Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says serve one another in love the entire law is summed up in a single command Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Paul had a way of saying it, didn't he? It's just better to walk in love. Now again, let me state You've got to nourish to flourish. Living life is a rough chore and sometimes we get bogged down in it. And really, all of us would love to really, come on, let's be honest. Wouldn't we all love to live a very long life and a happy life? A good life, a prosperous life, healthy life. What what my desire is, is to live to be 100 years of age and to Gwen to live 100 years of age. And, and I, I'll, I'll just, I'll say one week after she passes away, I'll take care of all the arrangements and then I'll leave, go home with her. That'd be my wish. Say, Pastor, do you think God will do that? I don't know, but I'm going to ask. Say, so canock knock. And in that week, if somebody came up to me and said, John, how how, how do you have such a good life? How, how is it so prosperous? My goal is not to go, oh, I don't know, I just kind of did. It just kind of flowed downstream. <laughs> Come on now. Let's allow the Word of God to begin to teach us, to nourish us, to have a great life and a good life. Now, real quick, I want you to see, since you came to church, hopefully to hear the Word of God, let's look at Psalms 34. And I want to take a passage out of the New Testament in 1 in Peter chapter 3 that puts together really the same thing it's almost like Peter knew what David wrote and then he's going to write something similar I believe he did in Psalms chapter 34 it goes like this come you children listen to me I will teach you to revere and to worshiply do what fear the Lord everybody with me is that up there It's in the Amplified. All right. Well, let's keep going. I'm in the NIV, I believe. No, I'm in the Amplified. Where am I at? (laughs) What's my name? Boy, the Amplified. Gwen loves that. It is amplified. It adds a lot of words to it, don't it? So let's go on. Worshipfully fear the Lord. Now again, how do we fear the Lord? The wisdom of the Word of God through Job, David, Solomon, Isaiah, the men of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to write what we're going to read. Verse 12. This is David. Verse 12. What man is he who desires life and longs for many days, that he may see good? Again, let me remind you, not just a lot of days, but good days. How many people would like to see a lot more good days than bad days? Just see if you're with me. So here's what he says to do. Put an asterisk in your Bible, highlight it on your iPhone. What can I do? Look, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek, inquire for, and crave peace, and pursue it. Go after it. Really, if you... I'm just... I got so much going on in my mind. Let's go on. Verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are towards those uncompromisingly righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. This morning, that passage screams to be someone, to do something, and I want you to see it, because in the next passage, you'll see the common thread between both of them. But before we go on, this is David, and he says, you know, if, if you think about what he's teaching his children and what he's teaching through the Word of God, is that, realize that he is what? He's a soldier, but he's not teaching his children how to uh, throw a spear or how to use a sword or a bow. He's a politician. He's, he's the king. But he's not saying, kids, come around here. Let me, the children of God need to know the maximums of government. He's a musician, but he's not saying, let me teach you how to play the harp. What it says is, let me teach you how to fear the Lord. Let me teach you of the things of God to take serious. Now, now watch this. As we go to First Peter, these are hundreds and hundreds of years later, and Peter writes down, he says this, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. We don't know what's going on, but chances are there's a storm and there's a conflict because all of us know if you've been married and if you don't live in a cave or under a rock out in the wo- woods that there's a 100% chance of conflict If you live with anybody. Okay. It's good to kind of get that confession off. Yeah. So he's saying live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. I want a blessing. God be favor to me, favor. Are you being a favor and a blessing to someone else? Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Do you hear that again? Same thing with what David said. To seek peace, pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. Now, now, as I read both of those, I hope that you could see similarities. Because I don't want to insult your intelligence by reading, because I know you can read, but at the same time, in reading both of them, there is similarities and there's a common thread. Here it is. Ready? Love your neighbor. Listen. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil, or depart from evil and do good. Seek and inquire for and crave peace. Realize you might be in a situation that you desire peace, but the situation isn't going to give you peace. And it's going to come down to is if you are nourished, if you'll be able to do that or not. Because you won't flourish. You'll be able to say, I... Have a missing piece in me and you need to seek peace for me. James pretty much says, you have everything you are as a believer, so prove it. Live out what God has given you. I, I love that thought. He says true, wisdom's com- true wisdom comes from God and if you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Again, to be nourished, as we know, in food is to provide with the food or other substances necessary for growth, health, and good conditioning. But the other one, which the definition I'm trying to point out is to keep a feeling or belief in one's mind typically for a long time. You've got to nourish to flourish. You think about food you know that it is, it is sometimes the hardest thing you can do is to be nourished with good, healthy food. Sometimes when you eat healthy, you have to go to a whole other grocery store. And, it, and, and it's more expensive. Now, if that's justified or not, I don't know, but organic means money. But it's, it's going to cost a little more. And, and here's the thing is, you can't eat a whole big bunch of healthy food and still be healthy. The portions still are very important. See, it was funny when my sons are in that growing stage and, and you have healthy Texas Longhorn beef. Very lean, very healthy. We have some for you to sell. 19 in the back. No, I'm just kidding. Very healthy. But they would go through hamburgers like they were a chipper. Zzz, zzz. And, and one of them, I won't say their name, but their initials are Mark Miller. <laughs> <laughs> he was going for the third one and Gwen said, ah! there will never be a time in your life that you'll need three hamburgers. (laughs) Eating healthy and being nourished, there's a time where you go, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort on my part. It's going to say, no, I don't need that. But I do need that. And when it comes to our spirituality and being nourished in our bodies and and in our minds, especially in our spiritual minds, we know, we know. Hopefully, if you've been at the chapel very long, you know that there's a transformation process that comes when the Word of God begins to be part of you. It changes your thinking. And all of a sudden, all those lies that the world takes you, you go, no, no, no. And, And your thinking begins to change. And then you begin to have an emotional change. Instead of being emotionally driven, your emotions start. Changing. And then after that, you begin to make choices that are different. You've never made choices. And people go, Who are you? Because then now they're seeing a difference in your life. And after your emotions change, then, then it comes to your habits and your character and your destiny because of those choices that you made. All of a sudden, you begin to make choices to nourish through the Word of God. You, you begin to Put the Word of God in your mind, the words of God, because words can change your thinking and it can do the same process all the way to change your destiny. All you have to do is focus on something that the Word of God does not say about you. You're a loser, you don't have anything of worth, you'll never be anything. The storm that you're going through is going to be your destiny forever. And all of a sudden you begin to change your thinking. It's not long until you're emotionally driven and you're wanting to pull your hair out. You begin to make choices that a year ago you look back and say, how in the world did I get here? And that becomes a habit. And this morning, I don't want you to get to the place of becoming a habit in your character and your destiny. You say, wait just a minute. I need the Word of God in my life to begin to change my thinking back to where I was, to where it needs to be. So every storm that I go through, every conflict that I run into, all the obstacles of life will not knock me down and give me the opportunity to quit and for me to say, I'm done. you got to flourish or nourish to flourish. It takes work. Can, can I give you just some things that seem to be common sense that are overlooked? Let me just say that I understand and I can testify of the quote, you don't know that you're running short until you're asked to pour out and you refuse to. See, a lot of times we don't realize that we haven't nourished enough, haven't got the Word of God into us, but we've been running so hard, so long, without saying, God, I need to be with you. I need to spend time with you. That the day comes when somebody says, hey, can you, can you do something for me? I, I just don't. I don't have enough capacity. I, I don't have enough time for you. I don't have enough energy for you. And all of a sudden, we become ordinary. We become just like the brown cows that everybody in our society is looking at going, what's different about you than a person that's not even a believer? Can I just wrap it up by going through this? As a believer in God, you have to come to understand in self-belief. Now listen, self-belief is, is something different than what our world teaches. See, our world wants us to know that you're so special, therefore God loves you. No. We believe that God loves us, therefore we are special. We, we get it turned around that it's, we're the center of the universe, Instead of God being the center of the universe. But here's what I'm talking about. When God says, if you can dream it and believe it, if you can ask me, it lines up with my word, you can have it. There's something that goes off on the inside when we go, really? That, that's for me? But there's so many times that we get so low that we say, oh, I just don't know anymore. I'm tired. I, I, I'm depleted. My bank account is negative and, and I just can't, I can't see that anymore. Let me tell you, that's a warning sign. Also, to have a drive and a desire to do more right now than you are doing for God? There's sometimes, when when you get to that drive and desire, it's easy to say it, but hard to do it. And and sometimes we get to the point where we realize that it's going to require us getting out of our comfort zone and taking a risk, therefore we need faith. And if we get into risk and need faith, especially if we have children, sometimes, well, we have children, there's responsibility, I don't want to, I don't, It's a warning when you say, you know what? I'll just stay with the familiar. I'll stick with the comfort zone. I'll I'll stick with the the rut that I hate, but it's predictable. That's a warning that you're running low. That you can't see that God has more for you. The next one is, I'm going to use a word that we don't use, but to realize you have a tribe. You have a church family that comes around and comes alongside of you and can pray for you and believe with you and, and support you. And, and on Sundays when we get together and to celebrate the goodness of God. See, in, in our world when we're running on low, we tell ourselves we don't need anybody because they could hurt us. And as long as it's just me and my husband, now we fight a lot and we get it going on, but we're stuck together, we have children, whatever it is, but we don't want to get outside because, let me tell you, that's a warning, you're running on low if you don't realize the friends that you have here. Another is well-being, your, your, your health, has to be a priority. See, a lot of times in church we just talk about our our mental or our spiritual. But let me tell you, physically our health is so important. If you get drained and you're not taking care of yourself, let me tell you, pretty much nothing else matters. And what I know is when I'm low, if I don't watch it, bring on the jelly donuts. Huh? The whipped cream right out of the can. <sighs> If you are physically not healthy, there's consequences that we know that come out. It's hard to be motivated. It's hard to get excited about things. We don't feel good in our clothes. Huh? We're going to have a swimming party. I'm not going to that. Good Lord, no. Our money management, look out! So you realize that we're made to give, as Christians, believers. We're blessed for a reason to be a blessing. But see, when we get when we get to the point we were depleted, there's something missing inside of us. When we go, no, we 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 take, we don't give, we 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 take you're sick there, there's something that's missing inside of you if if you are not giving you have to nourish to flourish and I'm telling you, you there's a warning sign if, if you're not giving and then gratitude Notice how many times that you say thank you for the little things. And the things, the times you say, I'm sorry. If you could just write down every time that you say thank you and I'm sorry with humility and humbleness, a lot of times you'll find out that the, when you look back and you go, I haven't said those words in days, months. There's only two things. Either you're perfect or you're sick. And there's nobody perfect here today. You know, sometimes when somebody fixes your dinner and brings it out, she does it all the time. Have you ever thought if she wasn't there or he wasn't there to do that, you wouldn't have a problem saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. How about when the waitress fills up your glass? Well, I'm paying her for it. Well, you can say thank you. Again, we're looking at the purple cow wow factor. Where people go, why is it that you're always smiling? I'm a purple cow. (laughs) I stand out in an ordinary world. Because I'm a child of God. I love Him so much. He's done so much for me. You've got to nourish, to flourish. Get out your pens, your iPhones. I'm going to give you some homework. The doctor gives you a prescription at the end of the day. It's up to you if you're able to go down and get it or not. At the drugstore. Here's a prescription. Psalms one, one, two. 112, I want you to read that, agree with that in prayer over your family, over your life as an individual. Now again, I tell you what, Debbie Howe, home, you're the uh, Facebook queen, put, put that on there. Pastor John says, want Psalms 112, so, if you're a Facebook, if you're not, Chapel Assembly, we'll, we'll accept you as on the Facebook and then you'll get updated, you know, what we're doing and all that good stuff. But read Psalms 112. Gwen and I found this and it's almost too good to be true. You might forget it. Some of you are looking for it right now to read it. Can you wait five minutes? All right, here we go. Let's pray. Paul's going to come up and close the service. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a wonderful day. Father, thank you for the things that your word gives us of wisdom. And Father, not only when we uh, get up in the morning or go to bed, but God, that, that Father, all through the day, we're thankful for your wonderful wisdom that we can do life together. Father, help us to stand out in a dark world. That all men might see our good deeds and glorify you. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen.